tonight, we're, what we're going to be doing is, uh, to start us off here, is a little interactive sermon. So this is where uh, I, I'm going to ask you a question and invite your participation, okay? Um, the question is this. If you were to um, think of ways, and this is going to be, for some of us, a real stretch, okay? But think of ways where uh, you might cause serious damage to a relationship, what might you do if you were going to do that? What, what kinds of things might come to mind? What do, what do you think? Cheating? Okay. Yeah. What else? Snore. <laughs> Are you telling us something here? Uh, what else? Lying? Okay. Yeah. Uh, th- those, are, those are all good, you know, especially snoring. Um, what, what else? Oh, forgetting the person, ignoring them, okay, not paying attention, absolutely. Anger, yep, anger can cause all kinds of damage to a relationship. Anything else? What's that? Abuse, yeah, abuse. Boy, all of those are are really good ones that, you know, uh, hopefully we never practice, but what's that? Adultery, yes, absolutely. Uh, All of those are things that can cause real problems with relationships. What if I were to tell you that if you absolutely wanted to cause serious damage to a relationship, the number one thing that you could do to cause serious damage to a relationship is this, to insist on playing fair. Hmm, how could that be? Ever since you were, you know, about this high, your mother told you, play fair with your sister or your brother. How could it be that playing fair could cause such havoc on relationships? Even more so, really, than, than the things that we had just mentioned, which are terrible things in, in many cases. Well, we're going to see that tonight because... Uh, um, you know, as, as good of an idea as it might be to play fair when it comes to things like sandboxes and board games, it is something that is deadly to relationships. Even before Henry Cloud talked about this concept in his book, we can see that Jesus talked about it. He talked about it in Matthew 5, verse 38, where he said this, you have heard that it was said, eye for, eye, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. In other words, play fair, give back what you've been given, treat others as they have treated you. But I tell you this, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you in the cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is radical stuff because ever since the time of Moses, they practiced this. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't work. Like the Hatfield and the McCoys... Where does it end? When you take matters into your own hands and try to play fair, you're putting yourself into the judge's seat. You are judge and jury to determine how to respond to that person. And in so doing, you're introducing even more negative behavior into the relationship. 
by playing fair. Yet many of us who uh, believe in Jesus, we, we know this teaching, and therefore we know that this is something that we should not, the, you know, road that we should not go down, and yet, you know, in life it just seems right to have justice, to play fair. And the problem is, is that there's a whole lot of takers out there, and we've got to protect ourselves somehow from the takers, from uh, being taken advantage of. Now, Adam Grant, who is a, uh, a college professor, university professor, completed a research product, project which demonstrated that all of us interact with other people in at least one of three ways. Those three ways include these things, to be a taker, to be a matcher, which means those who want to play fair, or to be a giver, okay? One of three ways. The taker, first of all, the taker. Uh, The taker is in it for number one. I'm in it for me. They feel like the world owes them, and their life's purpose is to make sure that they are able to take whatever it might be that they can get. They have an entitlement mentality. They are due. They're self-promoters with the arrows all pointing inward. It's about me. The rest of life exists to serve me. After all, if it costs somebody something, well, that's just the way that it is. You know, for me to get all that I can. Takers can be rich or poor. They're not bound by education nor economic status. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can see that at some point in our lives, we're all takers at some point. But for some, being a taker is their normal mode of operation. Then there are the matchers. Matchers defend themselves from takers by trying to play fair. In other words, if somebody is is a taker with me, well, then I'm going to respond by being a taker with them. If um, somebody uh, wants to take advantage of me, well, I'm going to respond by taking advantage of them. They want an equal sign in their relationships. Or to use Jesus' examples, when a matcher is publicly insulted, they will return the insult in kind. When they're treated like a slave, they want to set the record straight and maybe even treat the other person likewise. They tend to believe in the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth concept. You know, uh, so they wind up in life trying to play fair. Playing fair, as a matter of fact, is so common, so common in life that uh, it seems like the way to go. A newly married couple get together, for example, and uh, when, when they're getting together in marriage, uh, they decide, you know what? We're going to compromise. We're going to meet each other halfway, 50-50. The problem is, what is halfway? You know, for, for, for me, you know, you, you know if, if I were in that relationship and I'm, I'm that matcher, what's going to happen is that in my self-centered perspective, halfway really is a bit closer to me than 50-50. And uh, my wife, you know, then likewise, you know, halfway is a little bit closer to her than, than 50-50, which leaves this gap in the middle, which is this expectation gap that leaves people in that kind of a relationship with failed expectations. And it begins the downward cycle. Hey, you know, she didn't give me this, so I'm not going to give her that. You know, that's playing fair. It leads to a dysfunctional relationship that's the opposite of what you want in a relationship. 
Uh, for example, one person is a little withdrawn, so the other feels abandoned and gives the silent treatment, which is the polar opposite of what they wanted in the first place, which was connection. One person is a little sarcastic, so the other person is sarcastic right back, even though what they wanted really was some kindness and understanding. One person gets a little angry, so the other one snaps back, even though what they wanted in the relationship was peace. Being a matcher doesn't work because it leads to exactly what you don't want in your relationship. So if being a matcher doesn't work and if being a taker doesn't work, what does work? Well, the next one is being a giver. It's the way of the giver. Jesus is talking about this in in that lesson for today. He's saying, don't be a matcher. It doesn't work. Instead, be a giver. Matthew 5, 44. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise in the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. A giver doesn't insist on equality. Instead, they look for ways to give back better than they had received. A giver is one who is looking for ways to invest in the other person so that the other person's life is better because of the giver. That's a giver. A giver is saying, life isn't all about me. The object of life isn't to be fair. Life is about making a positive difference in the lives of the people around me. Life is about raising the other people around me up. It's about making a difference in the lives of other people because I have lived. That's what it means to be a giver. Being a giver is an amazing way to live because it can be energizing and give you purpose, spring in your step. Imagine living in such a way that your purpose is to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. Which one of these three would you rather be? A taker, a matcher, or a giver? And which one are you? A week ago, a week and a half ago, whatever that was, I, or I guess a week ago Friday, I got back from uh, a trip to, uh, to Texas where I went uh, with Pastor Tim to the LCMC gathering. And uh, the um, annual gathering is held in various places throughout the country. It's an opportunity for uh, members of our denomination to get together and connect and, and uh, hear from various speakers and, and uh, hear about the state of the LCMC, things like that. And uh, always a, a great experience. Well, Tim and I took different flights out there because he flies one airline, I fly, fly another. And, um, um, you know, it's just kind of what, what you know, what, the way we've approached it. And that weekend, um, my flight, which was on Southwest Airlines, normally I fly Southwest because, uh, you know, up until that point anyway, I'd never encountered a problem. Well, it was all to change that weekend. Um, My flight uh, was leaving on Sunday morning, and therefore I was with this group on Saturday night as Sean preached. Remember that weekend when Sean was preaching and I was here. Um, Anyway, Sunday morning came, and uh, I was leaving relatively early in the morning to be able to catch a flight that would, uh, you know, uh, have a connecting flight out of Chicago and go down to Dallas. Well, when I got to the airport, I always like to get there a little bit early, got there and uh, discovered that my flight was going to be delayed because apparently when the uh, crew got there, they checked and they could see that the in-flight uh, speed control wasn't working properly. And they didn't have any mechanics, they didn't have any, uh, 
any parts for this thing, so they had to fly these things in. But they said, not to worry, by 1.30 we'll have you out of here. 1.30, uh, sure as, as you know, they had promised, we were all boarding onto the plane uh, when uh, the lead flight attendant got on the uh, you know, speaker over the plane and said, folks, I don't know how to tell you this, but we just did the, uh, the walk around and discovered that this plane needs brake pads. You know, the good news is the mechanics are here. The bad news is the brake pads are not. Therefore, we have to fly them in. So by the, by the end of that day, they had multiple delays, and, and I, I don't know if, if there was ever, you know, that plane ever took off. I suppose at some point it did. But they re- rescheduled me for the next morning, Monday morning. In the meantime, people were getting irate, and I could see examples of these things taking place in, in uh, the passengers. There were the people, for example, they were starting to pass out some vouchers. But the vouchers were unequal. Some people were given more vouchers, depending, or more in their voucher, depending upon how far they were going and how many flights were going to be canceled for them uh, as, as a result of this one being canceled. And uh, so some of the people began to complain. And first of all, there was this woman who was a taker. And she was irate that, that any plane would ever break down. And she was so irate and so out of control that they had to have the air marshal come up and, and uh, you know, take care of this woman. And then there were the people who were complaining because uh, the vouchers were not equal. What, what do you think that they might have been doing? Well, which one of those three might, might they be? Matchers, exactly. They wanted life to be equal, okay? It didn't matter if these other people were flying farther and all these different connecting things. They, they wanted their fair share. They wanted the equal amount, Okay, and meanwhile, I was trying to be a giver. You know, I, I started out this journey trying to be a giver because the employees there, it wasn't their fault. They were generally personable people. They were suffering the same as anybody else. As a matter of fact, far more so because they had to take the abuse from takers like that first woman. And then, you know, these people were demanding things that they couldn't possibly give them as matchers. So I, I just wanted to be able to, you know, say, hey, you know, I, I want to encourage you kind of a thing. You know, but by the next morning, I was able to take off. It was a uh, flawless flight, went to Dallas uh, direct this time, and my luggage even showed up there. It was wonderful. Um, and uh, after I got off the plane, I went to the dollar car rental counter uh, where I was going to get my rental car and try to get to the conference. When I got up to the counter, there was a, a guy behind the counter that I had to talk to about getting my car, and there seemed to be a little bit of, of an issue. The day before, I'd called Dollar to say, hey, my flight's been canceled. There's no way in the world I'm going to be able to make my reservation. Uh, I just want to make sure that uh, I'm going to have a car, you know, be able to change my reservation for tomorrow morning, have a car waiting for me. And uh, the woman that I was talking to on the phone on Sunday afternoon when my flight was canceled could barely speak English. I mean, you know, she had such a thick accent, we really had a difficult time talking with one another. But I was, I was sure of one thing, and that was that that. We both understood that I would not be there on Sunday afternoon as planned, but I would have a car available on Monday morning. When I got to the counter, there was a man there who had a thick accent. I think he was from Africa someplace. I don't know what country. And, and difficult communicating there as well. But he, he said, and I, I understood this, he said, oh, we have a problem. You have no reservation. There is no reservation here. I said, what, what, what's, what do you mean no reservation? I talked with your company yesterday afternoon. How could there possibly be no reservation? By now I'm starting to feel like a matcher. Okay. I had done my part. Why aren't you doing yours? I mean, this doesn't equal. He said, 
I, you, you, you take the shuttle to the, to the office and the manager will help you. And I said, okay, I'll take the shuttle to the office. The manager will help me. So I went to the office and, uh, on the shuttle and, and got there, and there was another woman behind the counter, barely spoke English. And I was trying to communicate with her, and um, uh, she said, hey, we, we, we have a problem. Uh, you have no reservation. I said, I, I, that's what the guy said at the airport. You know, but here I talked to you yesterday, and, you know, it's, I'm a matcher. Hey, I'm an equal, equal, okay, equal. Do you understand equal, okay? Uh, I put this in. You give me that out. And, and the man, manager came over. He wouldn't help me. So finally I called Hotwire and spoke with a woman who didn't speak English. And, you know, we finally were, she wasn't of, of much assistance. She was able to get me the best possible rate that they could possibly get for that particular day. People at the counter were willing to give me the high inflated airport rates. So, okay, this is better than that. So I went back to the counter, and they had given me a special where I could get uh, uh, a com uh, compact car or better, you know, for this, for this price of the compact car, which means that it's up to the person behind the counter to give me whatever car that out of the goodness of their heart they wanted to give me, and it was perfectly blank check. You could give me a luxury car. You could give me an SUV. You could give me a convertible Corvette. You know, whatever it might be. She gave me the worst car on the lot. And as I was sitting in my rental car out in the lot with my knees around my chin... Um, one problem with this car, they didn't, I think they forgot to put the engine in it. It was good on gas mileage because those two squirrels hardly ate a thing, you know. And I was sitting there, and I, and I pulled out the GPS that I had packed with me carefully to, to be able to find the conference. Once I got there, plugged it in, turned the thing on, and the screen went black. By now, I'm going from matcher to desperate. And, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, self, okay, you've got your cell phone. And uh, I've, I've got this Verizon service where, where uh, they've got this VZ Navigator and a great program, you know, guide me right there, not a problem. I, who needs a GPS? So I took out my phone to try to, you know, load up that VZ Navigator, and it got stuck in this continuous question where it said, turn on your GPS. And I checked the GPS was already on. Turn on your GPS. Turn on your, it wouldn't get beyond it. It wouldn't let me into the VZ Navigator. So finally I called Verizon and I spoke with a guy who spoke without an accent at all. And I wanted to cry. I spilled it all out. I said, well, you know, here I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Dallas. I, you know, everything's going wrong. I, I, I can't turn on VZ Navigator because it gets stuck in the GPS. You know, turn on your GPS. He said, huh, I don't know why it's doing that. I, I'm thinking, this is not a good sign. But he said, I tell you what, why don't you turn off your cell phone? Now, you're talking to me on the cell phone that's having the problem, so we're going to have to say goodbye. But I will call you back to make sure that this problem gets resolved. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm not alone. He was treating me like a giver would treat somebody. You know, he could see that I was in distress. and think, So anyway, I was supposed to turn this thing off, and, and meanwhile he said that he was going to be doing some things back at the home office to reset my phone so I might be able to get this navigation program. So I said goodbye to him, and I went to shut off my phone, and I realized it's in a weatherproof case that would take special tools to open it, to be able to shut it off. I cannot shut this phone off. 
And so I'm going through the program to try to figure out how in the world do you shut this thing off by, you know, the program if I can't get into it to push the button. And meanwhile, while I'm trying to do this, all of a sudden, VZ Navigator comes up, and I realize that this guy back in the home office had reset the phone, and it was ready to roll. At that point in time, I thought, man, I'm a, I'm a customer of Verizon for life. I don't care that the, the next bill was over 300 bucks. It doesn't matter, you know. The guy was a giver. He took care of me, and that matters. So I made it to the hotel and the conference. Came into the hotel to get rid of my suitcase, came up to the uh, customer service counter and said, hi, I've got a reservation, uh, can I, and I just want to check in, get, get these, unload these things to my room. The guy looked on his screen, he said, uh-oh, we don't have any rooms. And uh, I said, what? <laughs> Come again? I said, I've got a reservation here, I called you yesterday, I'm a matcher again, I'll put this in, I want this out. And then he said, oh, you, you've got a reservation? Oh, let me check that again. Oh, there it is. Okay, we don't have any rooms because I was counting years. You've got a room. So I was able to go up there, get rid of my suitcases, head on down to the conference. And there was, you know, about 800-plus people in the conference center who were listening to a speaker. One person standing out in the, in the lobby area, hovering over the soft drink table. And lo and behold, it was none other, none other than, yes, Pastor Tim. Out of all of those people, here's the one person standing out there hovering over the soft drink table looking for a Diet Coke. And that's what he does. You know, he, he lives on Diet Coke. Saw him, and I, then I saw Kathy Nickel, who also goes to our church. And Kathy was, uh, um, um, you know, behind the scenes really preparing and working on this thing to, to make this thing a success. And I said to Kathy, hey, boy, after all that I've been through, this better be a good conference. By this point in time, I had gone from matcher to taker. You know, I didn't care what happened at this point in time. I didn't care who I stepped on. I didn't care who I hurt. I mean, let's just go ahead. I went into the conference, and the Lord was convicting me powerfully. As I was sitting there, I was thinking, man, that wasn't right. That was messed up. A while later, I went out there, found Kathy, put one arm around her, and I said, and I was thinking, man, here she had worked so hard, and here this guy comes in, and he's a taker put one arm around her, and I said, you know, I just want to thank you for all that you did to make this thing happen. I mean, you worked so hard on this thing, and you did a great job. I want to thank you for that. And I could tell right there that that meant a lot to her. But thankfully, the Lord, after convicting me, had brought me back to the point where I started, which was to be a giver. And here's the thing is that in the midst of life, in the midst of crises, in the midst of all the problems of life and all the things that go on, being a giver is a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to be. And being a giver, you know, let me clarify this. Being a giver does not mean that you just simply be nice, okay? Being nice sometimes can be a cop-out. Being a giver means that you give back better than you received. And being a giver means that you are looking for ways to improve the life and better the life of the person nearby you. Which sometimes means being an encourager, like I was there for Kathy. You know, but other times it involves tough love, and other times it involves uh, identifying healthy boundaries. It doesn't mean being an enabler of bad behavior. No, and it, being a giver means lifting that person up so that their life is better because you've been part of it. What a way to live. This is what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. 
He says, don't mess up your relationships the way they've been going. It's been not good. So don't play fair. Don't be a matcher or a taker. Instead, be a giver. Amen.